Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Someone is stealing the music from Kate's iTunes. Welcome back to BQL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Ed Egros and Kate Constable here with you. And we will discuss the 49ers and Seahawks in just a bit. But first, a tweet from Ian Rappaport uh, at least caught my eye. And Kate would love to hear your thoughts about the Commanders and Coach Ron Rivera. Uh, It looks like that new ownership uh, wants to decide his fate at the end of the season. And I'm curious uh, when it comes to, you know, we've seen coordinator changes and we've seen, you know, head coaching changes uh, this season already. But I'm curious, uh, A, do you believe that uh, Ron Rivera will keep his job throughout the end of the season? Uh, and if so, what do you do about the commanders going forward? Well, I don't know why he should keep his job if you're just going to let him go at the end of the season. I know there are some teams that don't like doing in-season firings, but the Steelers were one of those. Look what they just did. Uh you're just prolonging the inevitable and in that case setting your franchise back a couple months like if you're going to move forward and, and move on from Rivera and start uh bringing in a new regime do it now at least so you can use these next next couple months for everyone to get comfortable in that new offense and hit the ground running for next season because let's be real at this point commanders aren't going to make any noise going forward they're not making any noise in the playoffs they're probably not even going to get in the playoffs no, and I was talking about this uh, with my friend Rachel, uh, you know, yesterday in terms of like what the NHL does with, say, their general managers, where uh, she pointed out where it seems like every single year there is that one GM where the writing's on the wall and you know what's going to happen uh, to said general manager, that they're not going to be there upon the conclusion of the season. And my whole thing is, okay, if say it is obvious that a front office person or a coach knows that they're not going to be around for the next campaign, then why, why wouldn't they just do some wacky things? Like if you're a GM, why don't you make some wacky front office moves uh, knowing full well that you've got to have some hail Mary there in order to keep your job. Maybe uh, from a coaching perspective, you can do something similar and say, you know what? I know I'm done. So I'm going to have some hail Mary move uh, in just that, slight 2% chance that maybe it will all work out and I can keep my job. And sometimes those Hail Mary moves are far worse uh, for the long-term health of a franchise than it is just say getting rid of someone in season, not to mention in terms of like, I don't know, mental health. Like if you know that you're about to get fired, sometimes it's just better to have it happen instead of prolonging the inevitable, like you're saying. And I wonder if that's going to happen here where Okay, we want to believe with new ownership with the commanders that they're automatically going to be better. It's probably true. Uh, But at the same time, like if you are delaying and delaying evaluations, then suddenly you are falling behind because maybe you can't get the coach you want to have. And maybe you can't deal with the here and the now in terms of improving your football team just for this season alone, much less the short term uh, gains that way. Yeah, that would be my concern is if you wait 
and fire him at the end of the season when everyone's firing their coaches and all of a sudden mm-hmm. maybe you don't get the pick that you want for, to, for your next head coach. Um, that would be a concern. And then also to your point of like doing something, if there's a GM or someone doing something wacky at, at the end, if they know they're going to be fired, I, I see that a little bit, but also that GM or coach, like that decision could follow you to your next job. So like, do you not get another look from another team? If all of a sudden you're making mm-hmm. these weird decisions that everyone across the league kind of like, Oh, that's odd that he did that. So that would be my only concern against, you, you know, throwing a Hail Mary, taking a long shot. It's just maybe just bow out quietly and hope that someone else will pick you up for, for next year versus doing something crazy and making a move that makes people kind of question like your legitimacy or your thought process throughout all of this. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that would be my only concern there. And how well can you explain away your decisions to say another right. ownership group? Like that's also a big right. question there. So definitely understand the rationale at the same time. Like if you know this could be your one chance uh, or else you're going to be mired in, you know, mediocre, uh, you know, pen pushing jobs uh, for the rest of your days in a particular sport. Uh, maybe it's something where you go, all right, well, you know, 2% chance that I can make this work. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, definitely. It's a case by case basis still though. Short-term, long-term health, that has to be factored in. And sometimes you have to make these evaluations and decisions rather quickly. Okay, let's talk about the 49ers and the Seahawks. And also from Ian Rappaport, it looks like that Geno Smith is expected to play in this one. Safe to say he won't be 100%, but absolutely if the Seahawks have any chance of winning this football game, much less covering a, a rather large spread, then certainly Geno Smith needs to be out there. You know, that is safe to say. Uh, at the same time, 49ers are on the road to seven-point favorites with a total of 43-and-a-half. What stands out to you here, Kate? Uh, what stands out to me is that the Niners have just kind of dominated the Seahawks lately, beat them three times last year, including the wild card. It, they won by combined 46 points in those games. So this has not been an easy matchup for uh, Seattle, and I just – with the 49ers kind of getting back on track after that three-game skid, Brock Purdy looked so good last weekend. I just don't see a world mm-hmm. in which this game is is all that close. So I am I have not bet this, but I'm leaning towards the 49ers. The only thing that would really concern me a little with the Seahawks is they have a very good home field advantage. You know, that place is going to be loud, and especially on Thanksgiving in a night, uh, night game atmosphere. Like, that's going to be a very fun place to be tonight that maybe the home environment helps Seattle a little bit. Otherwise all numbers, all analytics, all stats pointing to the 49ers for me. Well, and those sevens have not moved uh, despite this Geno Smith news that uh, has been generated pretty much throughout the course of this morning. So that I find interesting that the market had believed that Geno Smith, I suppose, was playing this whole time, uh, even though there were certainly some concerns. You know, Pete Carroll voiced some optimism, all of that stuff. Uh, but say if it were Drew Locke out there, then definitely the number would have moved substantially. I think that just goes to show how much the market respects the 49ers, perhaps disrespects the Seahawks uh, in this particular matchup because the 49ers have been playing so well, because Brock Purdy has been playing so well. I made the argument this week on the program that I think Brock Purdy deserves more consideration for MVP than he probably is getting. And there probably is some value here. And I know that throughout the course of this entire season, we've been wrestling with this idea of, okay, 
is Brock Purdy worthy of a most valuable player honor, given that Kyle Shanahan is constantly putting him in positions to succeed? Well, my answer to that is I still think it's okay because Pat Mahomes has been put in positions to succeed. He's had Andy Reid and he's, you know, he had, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill for a while and he has had Travis Kelsey, who may be the goat in terms of tight ends. So you can look at other MVP winners and also make the case that they have been put in positions to succeed. And I think Brock Purdy is no different. Now, do I think he can sustain this level of success? I think that's a different conversation altogether. But the way he played on Sunday and the way that I am projecting him to play for the rest of the season, absolutely. I look at you know the wide open target rate and just the regular open target rate for his receivers and they're good they're top 10 in football but they're not the best it's not like we're seeing Debo Samuel schemed up to where you know there there isn't a defender within 20 yards of him and it's just a matter of throwing it eight yards down the field to him that's not exactly what we're seeing that to me is a bit of an exaggeration but in terms of what Purdy has been asked to do Definitely, he's been playing better than Jimmy Garoppolo ever did in that system. Uh, Purdy has certainly exceeded expectations. And there's a reason why this franchise, who I think we all respect, has put Purdy as their starting quarterback. If they didn't feel like that he was that valuable or they needed to hedge the bet a certain way, I don't think they would have gotten rid of Trey Lance. And I think, uh, you know, it would have been more than just Sam Darnold as the backup. I think they would have done even more things. But I think this idea that the 49ers believe in him, they put him in positions to succeed, and that we've been constantly wrestling with this notion of if he can be an MVP, all of those factors coming together lead me to believe that there is value in the MVP market, and definitely he can play really, really well against the Seahawks defense. Yeah, he's done everything that's been asked of him and to a fairly elite level. He doesn't have to go out there and throw for a zillion yards every week. He has to go out there and and be the quarterback of this team in the sense that, you know, when you talk about a point guard, people are always like, well, you're the quarterback of this team. You're the one driving the the offense. You're the one leading um, the charge in, in just making the right reads and the right plays for what fits within that offensive scheme. You put Purdy in Philly or Dallas or somewhere else, he's probably not going to look the exact same or have the same success, but he knows exactly the weapons he has around him and his role within all of those. And I think that's, what's made him so successful. And to your point, Ed, like San Francisco knew early on and they were like stood firm that Purdy was their quarterback, even in last off season when he was had that elbow injury and, you know, questionable on if he was going to be able to start the season. They said when he comes back, he is going to be our starter, regardless of, of really when that is. So they love him 13 to one. Um, it's, it's just for him to win MVP. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's good value in it, but I just don't see it happening because voters look a little bit more towards the stats and the flashy plays. And, and you have a guy like Jalen Hurts, who's at the top of the board and Lamar Jackson, who can, you know, dual threat and use his legs and blah, 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 blah. So those ones are, those players are the ones that I think are ultimately going to be the, the players to win this. But you're right. Purdy does pretty much everything else perfectly and, and kind of has all season. 
Well, and when you look at key indicators like total EPA and things like that, typically the MVP of the league over the last several years is either leading in that metric or in the top three of that metric. And Brock Purdy is number one. Even though he may not be asked to do a bunch of heroic things, he's still putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and he's doing it in high leverage spots. And the fact that just about everybody is healthy now I think matters a great deal. And yeah, you love certain key playmakers. That matters a lot. But lots of other great quarterbacks have key playmakers as well. And to me in this MVP race, there are criticisms and cons with just about everybody. Like Jalen Hurts became the leader of the pack after a Monday night performance where he wasn't very good. So yeah, there are lots of other guys you can point to, but it is still a crowded race. Yeah, it is. There needs to be more distinction between MVP and offensive player of the year versus MVP just being mm -hmm. a quarterback, uh, a quarterback award and offensive player being a position player. You know, that would be a, a way around exactly. this where maybe we get Purdy and Hurts. Good call. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will go over our favorite props for this game and monitor key line movements for Sunday's Week 12 action. That's right here on the BetQL Network.